Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. Terrence Lester, the author in the book, I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People. Yeah, we're going to talk about homelessness and the marginalized, and it's a subject we haven't covered, and sometimes we're afraid to. I don't know why. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex, enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Well, you've wrote, written uh, a beautiful book, and that really gives us that one-two punch. You know, we can close our eyes and pretend that we don't see homeless people or the marginalized, and you're going to talk about that. And But I like how it says in... Uh, the back of your book, we don't care about what we don't see. We can pretend that we don't see it, even though we know that uncomfortable feeling. I think that uh, quote is a, a powerful one, and it kind of like gives us a picture of what happens every day, uh, not just in the city where I'm, I'm located, but around the country uh, with people um, living on the streets or experiencing homelessness and, and in poverty and, and not being seen. That's right. I should mention that uh, Terrence is, uh, you know, he's from, well, Atlanta, actually, and you're the founder of Love Beyond Walls, a nonprofit organization that's focused on poverty awareness and community mobilization. And your campaigns on behalf of the poor, they've been featured on USA Today and Black Enterprise and on NBC and Upworthy, and they've been viewed by millions of people worldwide. So uh, that's kind of, how did you develop a heart for the homeless? You actually dressed up, if, if you will, like a homeless person to feel what it might be like. Yeah, well, the backstory behind it is is personal. Um, I remember when I was 16 and a half years old, uh, 
I had uh, left home, run away from home, and I was uh, living out of the trunk of my car um, and from place to place. I mean, I'm a teenager. Uh, There's a story I I tell, I just told the audience this past week, man, I was 16 and a half years old and I was at a gas station. And back then I didn't have a cell phone. So like you had to ask people for change to use the payphone. And I remember asking a guy, could I uh, have some change to call one of my friends? And he gave me 50 cent. And so I called uh, my friend named Eric. Uh, he was in high school with me. And I asked Eric on the payphone, hey, man, do you, you think your parents would allow me to come over and eat a meal with you because I'm going to be sleeping in the park tonight? Mm. And uh, he was kind of hesitant at first, but he put me on hold, goes downstairs and, you know, asks his father and mother and comes back to the phone and says, you know, my family loves you. You could come over. And I remember a long drive over. It was only two miles, but it, it felt like a, you know, a road trip. And so I arrived at my friend's house and, you know, at this point I'm fatherless, I'm confused, no uh, sense of purpose or identity. But I remember his dad uh, walking towards the car with a hot dog and a soccer ball. Uh, he, he comes up to the car, man, and he he literally leans over into the car and taps me on his on my chest and, and tells me to look at him in his eyes. He's mm. probably the first man that I ever trusted um, to be able to just look in his eyes. He was a pastor and he, he was serving the homeless community at that time. And so he tells me, he says, young man, you're going to be a leader. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, who, me? A guy that's sleeping in the car, a, a guy that's misunderstood and, and by his teachers because they don't understand why I'm falling asleep in class. You know, I had all of these these doubts and he, he has me this soccer ball. And he says, you're just like this soccer ball. And I go, how? Uh, he says, uh, the soccer ball finds itself on the field in between two teams and it didn't ask to be there. And just like me and you uh, and everybody else, sometimes we're born into environments we didn't ask to be in. But he says, you know, you want to know how the soccer ball survives all of the kicks because you've been kicked around? He says, because of what's on the inside. Mm. Um, he says not only kicks. And so he said, he goes on, he says, turn the ball around. Uh, he, he made me read the the phrase that says made for all weather, uh, is all purposes or something. <laughs> like and he, and he told me, he told me I had purpose that guy had purpose for my, my life. And then lastly, he says, you, you want to know how else, uh, this ball survives all of the kicks. You know, it has a goal. All soccer balls have a goal. And he, he encouraged me to get some goals. And so, you know, I remember entering into this this mentorship relationship with this guy and he was the guy that I could trust uh, I I was the I was the one that called him when I asked you know should I should I put myself through college should I marry uh, my current wife uh, should I take steps towards uh, building a strong faith in the Lord and he always encouraged me when I first started my organization love beyond walls he passed away oh wow. and um yeah, I'll never forget uh, standing up before, you know, his casket. And there were other guys who had helped get out of homelessness. And um, just the the context of his life, you know, is it, it reminded me of that, uh, that parable where it says, and the shepherd left 99 uh, for the one. And yeah. he was all he was all about the one. And so that's the backstory. You know, it's it's not that. 
it's you personal. Know, uh, yeah, it's personal. It's a personal story. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, and thank you for sharing that, it, you know, because it makes sense. Uh, you have uh, written this book, but even even having gone through that, though, as a homeless person, it didn't it didn't help as far as uh, you still felt the pain, you know, looking into yes. the people that they you, you mentioned that it was still a terrible thing to go through that the fact that you could be invisible and, uh, you know, and you've accomplished a lot you know, with your ministry, of course, and it's and people don't. You know, I don't know. They just see the outside, you know, and it's just, it's devastating. You said even, you know, it's even to think that, you know, just by the color of your skin, African American, that, you know, you have to come to terms that there are going to be people who are going to have these, you know, racist views or just uh, confusion or whatever it is, or just uh, the ignorance, you know, people just don't understand certain cultures. But um, I mean, where do we start with this? Because I mean, I'm guilty. I, uh, I see a homeless person at the traffic stop or with the, uh, you know, the sign and everything. And I think to myself that, uh, you know, I'm, I asked my wife, I said, look, just be honest with me. What do you think when you see a homeless person? Don't give me the textbook, you know? And I, I started first and I said, I feel like I didn't, I didn't put them there. I wasn't responsible for that. I'm, I mean, if I'm really honest with myself, it's overwhelming. What can I do? Um, and, you know, this is with a seminary education and everything. And it, it's, it has to do with the heart. That the heart says that, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is too much for me. I'm overwhelmed by it. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how can we care? And what can we do about this? this is, and, and by the way, perfect timing for your book. And by the way, I see you. The name of the book, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People, with President Trump talking about California hmm. and homelessness and Baltimore. And it's a perfect time to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it first starts with the understanding that we're all poor in some way. Uh, that's the context uh, by which we build the bridge of empathy. When I understand that, I may have some immaterial poverty that I'm still r- working through and that I need the same grace of God uh, to sustain my life uh, that someone needs if they uh, don't have resources or if they're living on the streets. Um, If I'm really overwhelmed by the love of God in that way and understand that I'm still sustained and given grace in my own immaterial poverty, that then should compel me (laughs) to want to show that same grace to my neighbor. Yes. And then when, when we think about that, who is neighbor? When Jesus is talking about neighbor, love your neighbor, he's not talking about loving someone like you. He's talking about loving someone who isn't like you, who doesn't come from where you come from, who doesn't have the same background as you. You can't really measure love until you extend it uh, towards someone that isn't like you. And so I think if we start there, uh, that creates a conversation of, how do we respond to the grace of God that has hit our lives? Right. And nobody teaches you that in school. I, I, <laughs> right. As I get older, I'm thinking, you know, there, there are a couple of things we could, I, I felt kind of cheated out. I'll take uh, like, you know, entrepreneurship or whatever over like dodgeball in school. I mean, I just want to, you know, there are a lot of things we could learn, uh, like how to be nice to even the homeless, you know, I mean, just to have right. compassion. We're not taught any of that stuff. And right. And then I think uh, people don't understand how close uh, the experience of homelessness is to them. Uh, When you look at the context of America, right, uh, the average American does not have access to $400 in a saving account uh, just uh, in case of of a major emergency. Uh, One in four Americans are one paycheck away uh, from losing it all. And so 
you know, I, I remember a time I was in Chicago and I was doing some work out there. Um, this guy comes up to me. He had to be 28 years old. Uh, he didn't ask for money. He's living on the streets. He asked me if um, I could walk him in uh, this chicken joint to to buy him a meal. And so I remember uh, the slow motion play of it. We're walking in and all of the people behind the counter, it frustrated me because the same people who were possibly standing in judgment um, were not making a living wage and were probably one paycheck away from being in the same situation. It's hard to believe. You yeah, know, we just can't. Uh, we can't find that empathy. I think that, you know, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, yeah. I myself included, I know something's wrong with my heart, and I look away. That's how I know. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and we have to. We have to understand the context of people's stories too. Like I, I, I can walk in a room and give a talk, and if I don't share my backstory, nobody in the room will ever know that I, I slept in my car, slept in parks, and was put out of high school uh, for being misunderstood uh, because of my experiences. And so like, if you don't get a chance to know somebody's backstory and know where they come from, I mean, they're a brother, they're a sister, they're mom, they're aunt. Uh, they have a story just like me and you. Yeah. I mean, I know that the mental illness factor, let's be yeah. honest, that, that can get kind of funky, you know, <laughs> that can get in the yeah. way. Because, sure. you know, we're all kind of a little messed up on our own, you know, and so then mm. you uh, are dealing with someone who might be laughing or talking to themselves or whatever the case may be and not, how do we really do need to be equipped to do this? Now, I think what you said is for people who have a big heart and uh, the heart of Christ, then mm -hmm. we, can, we can give, you know, but uh, even in the church, if you don't mind me saying, I just don't see it as far as... Uh, I don't remember a church where they said we're going to teach everybody how to have compassion for homeless people. Right. You know, no, no I, I, no, you don't hear that. You don't hear that, but yet, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> and then you hear the Lord talk about it. The, the Lord Jesus, that when you fed the homeless, you know, and the hungry and, and you fed me and somehow we just don't get that, you know, I don't know. But, um, but do you believe that the, the words that were spoken, about California and Baltimore? Did, uh, how did that resonate with you? Yeah, my, my response to that is, you know, I want to celebrate the, the, the people that are doing hard work on the ground right. um, there uh, that are in the trenches working every day to ensure uh, that people have uh, the proper pieces to rebuild their lives. Uh, but I also want to say that uh, we can't single out uh, you know, we have to look at uh, America as a whole and uh, ask hard questions about how we can address the issue. Uh, because more more Americans, I mean, there are over 100 million Americans. I mean, you have 46, 47 million people living below the poverty line, but you have another 100 million people who are one paycheck away, which is near the poverty line. And so we have to start thinking about like uh, the entire country as a whole. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, before an interview and it just kind of happens and it takes a life of its own that the preparation somehow begins and it's more than just your book. And by the way, your book is called, I see you, how love opens our eyes to invisible people. But all of a sudden I'm watching television. I see the, the movie, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Did you see that film at all? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, it's one of my favorite films, uh, but it was a hard film to watch. 
Yes. I mean, I mean, you think about uh, this guy, uh, you know, sometimes not making it to shelters. Uh, this guy having to sleep in restrooms with his son and having to make up imaginary s- stories to kind of shield and protect his son from the reality of what they were suffering through. Um, this guy who showed up to our interview uh, after being arrested wow. uh, because of a parking ticket. And still having the courage and the audacity to show up and say, I'm still going to fight through. I think sometimes we don't even uh, realize how much courage it takes just to be poor and marginalized in this country. Um, And that's something to even celebrate. Yeah. My wife watches me, you know, watch the movie and she comes in and she says, why are you crying? (laughs) (laughs) Streaming down my face. I mean, this movie just really touched a a nerve because, uh, you know, life is hard enough as it is. And, uh, but, uh, as you said though, you know, to focus on the positive, the courage yeah, to face uh, what is in front of you and to use the resources available Do people, are they surprised that, uh, there are more resources for homeless people or less? Uh, I, I think, I think that people would be surprised that there, they are less like, and there's, here's the thing too, there's a criminalization that is happening uh, against uh, people who are experiencing homelessness uh, mm-hmm. across the country. So like, for example, uh, a person, if they violate uh, code 15-26 uh, in Charlotte, you know, uh, just by like storing their personal belongings in the public space, they could be fine, you know. Uh, 74% of homeless people don't even know where it's safe and legal for them to sleep. Um, 9% of the cities across the country have uh, criminalized food sharing with homeless people. Uh, you know, there are city bans for camping. Uh, there are, um, you know, uh, ordinances and laws that prohibit people from even sleeping in cars. Uh, so you, th- you think about, uh, uh, people being criminalized and viewed in this negative light instead of viewed as people going through problems, they're viewed as problems. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we've got to, uh, I guess, reorient how we, how we view people who are suffering. So like I could talk about um, creating communities where uh, there are safe spaces for people from totally opposite ends of experience will come together, you know, yeah. and build and form relationships where there's a, a common table, right? We all have access to the Lord's table. And so it's, it's not this hierarchical, you know, otherizing people. It's we're all in this space and we're, we're sharing this space. And I've seen relationships form where um, people who were totally isolated, right. And separate uh, because they're experiencing homelessness, befriend somebody, uh, who helps them write a resume and then uh, leads them to, uh, you know, job connections. And then they finally have an apartment. I've seen uh, people who are in corporate America experience homelessness and go back to corporate America through relationships because we all know how vital community is, right? That's right. Uh, all resources and connections and opportunities comes from community. And what I'm advocating for is we need to see people who are suffering, befriend them uh, if we're following Christ like that, and uh, build relationships in a way where we invite them into community. Uh, Because when you are living on the streets, when you're living second to second uh, in total isolation, all the compounded stress and hopelessness and 
you know, God knows who, uh, what else, uh, that takes a toll on you, especially when people walk past you, they ignore you, they look down on you, they make judgments about you, and they have no back history about who you are or where you are. But God loves those people. Mm-hmm. You know? He does. And you mentioned about the dignity and how to see people. So that's where we find our dignity, isn't it? In Jesus? Yeah, we find it in Jesus. I mean, we're, it, every, every human is created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so if we start there, everybody has inherent worth and value. Everybody has inherent dignity. And we can't give anybody dignity. We can only affirm it. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is God loves uh, the person who is living under a bridge just as much as he loves a CEO that's walking into a boardroom. We got to redefine how we measure worth and value, right? We got to stop associating worth with, you know, how much money you have in a bank account or what school you went to or who do you associate with or what geography you live in. Um, and we need to redefine how we measure worth and start with the Imago data. Okay, we'll be right back. Uh, Terrence Lester is our special guest. He's the author of I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People. As it says in his book, we overlook the poor and homeless and hold misconceptions about who is deserving or not. But Terrence calls us to see the invisible people around us. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the dangers, too, of homelessness right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. All right, we're with Terrence Lester. He's the founder of Love Beyond Walls. Right now, let's talk about uh, the dangers, too. I, I had a, it was in the news, there was a woman. She felt led when she passed a homeless person to take that homeless person home. Mm. And she just felt that uh, the Lord had called her to do that. And um, so she had compassion on the homeless person, you know, who was holding, wanted to have a, a nice place and that's warm and safe. And a uh, true story. And then uh, I read in the news that in the middle of the night, there was a shrill and a scream and a homeless person slit her throat. Oh, no. But what I try to do is uh, kind of teach people to, uh, you know, operate and move and discernment um, and have and take courageous but uh, wise risks. Right. And so. Uh, like I, I would never advise a woman to, you know, give a man a ride home if that person wasn't with uh, someone else. Um, I would never encourage people to do things where there isn't uh, some sense of safety around uh, because it's just like uh, anything or anybody like in any circumstances. I mean, we've seen in the news here recently that anything can happen. Right. And so we, we just need to be precautious in how we are dealing with people uh, because people, um, you know, have heart issues. Right. And we're not just like singling out people who are experiencing homelessness. People are people regardless. And the real reality is I was reading this quote early, earlier by uh, Brendan Manning. He says, uh, Jesus often slept on the side of the road and stayed with friends. <laughs> uh, 
many people forget that they're following a, a savior that lived from place to place himself. That's right. Has nowhere to, you know, lay his head. Right. At all. Uh, yeah. And what if it was, you know, we got used to it all of a sudden, you know, we have, we like to compartmentalize if you will, where there's the children's ministry and we have this kind of ministry. But then again, it gets real. And all of a sudden there are homeless people in the church and it smells and yeah. you give up your seat, your front row seat that you're so happy. And it, it really does try the human heart. I mean, I think, I think the Lord knows what he's doing. He knows that, you know, if we really face it, what, what will we learn about ourselves? Do you think? Yeah. I, I think we would be able to, come to grips with the things that were are in our heart that we need to surrender to the Lord. I'll never forget, man. I was, um, ah, I get emotional telling the story, but last year I did this, uh, this campaign where I walked, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way to the Lorraine motel where Martin Luther King was assassinated. Mm. Um, at the end of it, I got a chance to, to speak in front of the room that he was shot and killed. And so from Atlanta to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, I had to walk through Alabama, you know, um, Mississippi, um, some of the hard states like, you know, deep South Georgia. And along the way, man, I had, um, I experienced a lot of, you know, mistreatment. I was called out, out of my name uh, because I'm a person of color. Uh, people. Uh, were trying to hit me with trucks uh, that had Confederate flags on their trucks. Boy. And, you know, the whole time I'm reading uh, the Gospels, man, and the Lord was really challenging me because, you know, I, I wanted to, to stop. You know, I don't have to do anything. I can go and be about myself. I can go and do this. And then I read this passage where it says, uh, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I go, wow. Jesus gave his life even for those who were persecuting him. And it connected me to like, uh, to like continue to follow uh, my savior in a deeper way. And so like, like the people who were uh, making all these racial slurs and like uh, trying to attack me and hit me with trucks and follow me with um, weapons and stuff, they were also poor and they were also the mission. And when I had to come to grips with is the people that were hating me, I was also walking and advocating on behalf of them as well. And that was a deep moment for me uh, because love, you know, love, love has no boundaries. It doesn't draw lines around, you know, and, and try to put things in a, in a, in a, in a box. You know, if we are really called to love our neighbor, uh, sometimes that's, that's, that's asking us to do things uh, that goes beyond what, um, may be in our heart, you know? There's a, yeah. yeah, there's a side that we just don't want to see, not only in ourselves, but in other people. And that's when it gets, you know, love those that mistreat you, bless them. and it bless, bless them. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, bless them. isn't it? Like, you know, it, it seems contrary. And then something happens in the spirit, I'm sure, that uh, that the Satan does no, he no longer has a foothold when you could say, bless that person. All right, so Terrence, also, I want to I want to kind of end, if you will, on a on a warm and fuzzy. Okay. Uh, and the warm and fuzzy is in your book, chapter ten, creating consistent rhythms. Once again, we're with Terrence Lester. He's the author of "I See You: How Love Opens Our Eyes 
to invisible people. Yes, we're going to talk about homelessness. That's what we've been talking about. And that you say that people are always more generous during the holiday season. That's true. All of a sudden, you know, <laughs> yeah. warm and fuzzy. And, oh, yeah, come on in. And, uh, that you know, we, it seems like, did we just turn a page? Did we just learn how to be human? What happens to people during the holidays, especially in having a, a more of a, a love and an openness towards homelessness? Uh, I, I just think it's, it's kind of like that, that time of the year where people are, um, I don't know, more open to like see other people and more giving. And I, I guess, you know, say it's the holiday, say it's the, the time of the year. Uh, but people towards the end of, of the year start reflecting more on like what life is really about. Right. Uh, because it's, it's even, you know, people, you start to see people thinking about like, oh, the mountains and the hills and they had to climb all throughout the year and, uh, things that they've taken for granted. And maybe, you know, it's time to slow down. People start becoming more like conscious and aware. Um, and you'll see. Uh, people wanting to to do whatever just to uh, make themselves feel good, good in in a sense, you know, uh, uh, about giving back, so to speak. Terrence Lester, founder of Love Beyond Walls, and it's a nonprofit organization focused on poverty awareness and community mobilization. How can people get in touch with you, and how can they buy your book? Yeah, uh, lovebeyondwalls.org. Uh, definitely go and check that out. Uh, you know, I have my social media handles. Uh, it's I'm Terrence Lester. That's I M T E R L E S T E R E N C E L E S C E R. Sorry about that. But um, also, we uh, started a, a museum called Dignity Museum. It's the first museum in the nation that represents the subject of homelessness. And basically, uh, we launched it out of a shipping container, and the idea was to make it mobile. So uh, that's been open for a little over four months, so you can look up Dignity Museum as well. And uh, it's, it's really cool. We, we get a chance to be disruptive by taking uh, this museum to different places uh, uh, to allow people who may have, you know, mis misconceptions or uh, false narratives about what it means to experience homelessness. And they go through and they come out and, man, you'll have perceptions change. You have people weep. You have people uh, talk about some of the, you know, kind of like embedded uh, ideas they have about other people uh, based upon secondhand information. And it's always a different opportunity uh, to give people an opportunity to learn from people who are actually going through. Because I'll oftentimes ask the question, who controls the narrative of homelessness? Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes it's, you know, controlled by people who have never experienced it. That's true. Your campaigns, of course, uh, Terrence Lester, Half of the Poor, they've been featured in USA Today, Black Enterprise, and on NBC and uh, Upworthy, uh, viewed by millions of people. Jesus said, love one another. Uh, what's your conclusion of the matter? Can you top that? Yeah, uh, I would I would just say love one another um, and make sure it's coming from an authentic place. Yep. And people can do something about homelessness. You want to leave people with a little hope next time they see someone who's homeless and what they could do about it? Yeah, I would say something as simple as acknowledgement. You know, uh, looking people in their eye, asking them their their name, 
if you have a few moments to spare, even asking them, you know, how they arrived uh, in, in the situation of homelessness, you know, uh, forging a relationship, even, you know, making yourself aware about some of the resources in uh, this specific community or context, because sometimes uh, people experiencing homelessness don't have access to technology and therefore they don't have information. So even just passing along simple information may help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for people to hear that. There's, you know, even, I mean, my goodness, if there's food in your, in your car. Yeah. Roll it down. Give it, give it away. You don't need it. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. uh, there's a, uh, you know, there's water, bottled water, but uh, it says in the back of your book, once again, we don't care about what we don't see. So let's not turn a blind eye. Terrence Lester, the book, I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People. Thanks for being on the program. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mike. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.